I'm recording now, so just FYI. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about films, TV, pop culture, mental health, and all of that lovely stuff. Today, I've got my special friend and guest, Alana. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you for coming on. Um, So, I've got quite a few, like intricate questions for you um especially first of all i'm going to get you to tell the audience who you are and a bit about yourself sure (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay ah well yes my name is alana and i am a screen and theater actress and performer i've been doing theater since i was around nine and i started film acting when i was 14 I've done like bits and pieces here and there, a lot of local theatre. And then with film, I did a pilot overseas when I was around 15. And then since then, it's just been that struggle of every actor trying to find gigs and pursue the dream of, you know, performing and impacting people emotionally. So it's been fun. This year's been a bit exciting with uh, nothing happening. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's just part of the industry. The whole industry has taken a big toll. Yeah. I technically still a bit of singing and a bit of guitar. Started improv, so I'm doing a bit of comedy as well, which I'm not very good at, but it's just fun to, you know, be on stage and have that yeah. instinctive reaction and just perform off the top of your head, which is always another good technique to learn how to do. So what got you what got basically you into acting? What was kind of like the initial um for a young age? I definitely would say my dad was a huge impact. He was the one that kind of convinced me to do my first class. He just said it would give me more confidence and he was an actor when he was growing up. He just did local theatre and musicals. So I started at the Illawarra Performing Arts Centre where I yeah, definitely met a lot of people and I just definitely got me out of my shell but only ever in that space. I'm still quite an introverted person and not very social but whenever I'm surrounded by like-minded people and creatives or performing on stage, I'm definitely you know playing a character or just having that freedom to express myself and escape that reality, which is, I think, what entices a lot of people into the performing arts and being creative is that you're making your own kind of reality that's separate from day-to-day living. So, yeah, I think what inspired me was my dad initially pushed me to try acting and then I fell in love with it because of how it emotionally impacts me and how I can impact other people and hopefully take them away with something like they'll have a message from a performance or they'll feel something which I think is a really powerful tool yeah and that's like and your dad your dad did acting yeah like just community stuff very local not much but I think he played the king and the king and I oh cool and I think he did Oklahoma and little things like that but obviously it's something he never yeah yeah, yeah. followed he went into marketing and (laughs) all that fun stuff Oh, okay. So we kind of like just to like d- went off to a kind of separate career. Well, I think the funny thing, he got cast as um, the master of the house in Les Mis, but yeah. then he had to decline the role because when the show times are on was when I was going to be born. Oh. So he didn't get to do that. So sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> you were born. Uh, the... Everyone did. <laughs> oh. Um, but then he, then he has a daughter, so, you know, he really... You know, I think I think that's a good solid. 
Yeah, I mean, he recently he started another kind of theatre thing he did because I auditioned for a role and he auditioned for the role as like, oh, we do something together and then he got it and I didn't. Oh, no. But it was funny though. I mean, that was really cool for him to get something and to watch him perform because I'd never actually seen him act before. And was he was he like kind of as amazing as you thought he'd be or yeah. a little bit like uh, did you have this weird moment also of being like I can see my dad? A bit of both. I think I can see a lot of his um, musical background coming into a theatre performance. It was very, um, parts of it was like very grande, very like, oh, I'm performing to the audience. I'm facing the front. Uh, yes. But he's also very emotional and very heartfelt as well. So it was crazy to see, yeah, his journey and how he performed. And I could definitely see bits of myself in him, which was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's been a great uh, inspirer to be creative and he's helped me pursue that by allowing me to live at home and do all those fun things so I can be the poor artist that I desire to be. The, uh, <laughs> so does it like, um, basically they haven't sort of like kicked you out because of that. Oh, like I want to do a career <laughs> so uh, my daughter can stay. Yeah, not yet. I think I'm probably getting there, but they're very supportive of my artistic passions for now. And they just want the best opportunities I can have. So allowing me to live at home is just giving me a bit more savings so I can do a course or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, save up for some things. Um, and I mean, like, in terms of, like, musicals um, and also singing and guitar and everything, did that kind of just, like, develop over time? Or is it kind of like something that com- contributed with acting and, you know, something you were interested in? Um, the first place I learned acting, they also taught us musicals and then I studied musical theatre I think for maybe two or three years I had singing lessons for maybe four or five years but then I just lost all hope I suppose (laughs) when I never got into a single school musical throughout all six years of high school and then I just kind of was like you know what I can't sing I've given up which I love singing in my spare time but I feel like for musicals and I don't know, things like that. I'm not as good as everyone else. So it's more of a hobby for me, singing and being all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's it, it's very interesting because like, I feel like, you know, people who do musicals or a lot of musical artists tend to not be in like, you know, like I, sometimes they're in bands and stuff, but they're not. It's, it is like a separate thing itself. Like Yeah, I uh, think for me, I just... <laughs> I don't see myself really as someone that's very in musicals. It's it's very different to film and TV and stuff yeah. like that. So I think it's just a different genre. And I've I've had a go at it. I did do like one or two musicals growing up, but I love singing and I can sing, which just it's mainly more helpful for vocal training and yeah. learning about controlling over the voice. But musicals in general, yeah. Haven't had much luck. I've got way more anxiety singing in front of people than I do acting. Really? Acting, I'm pretty fine. I'm. I don't get general stage nerves, but I'm not anxious. But I literally will have a panic attack if I have to sing. Yeah, and you. So, that's that's, that's interesting. Like, um, was when did you notice your anxiety was like kind of affected you in different ways? Like. It, um, especially with acting, you can act it like comfortably in front of people, but yet you sort of say that like being yourself is harder. I don't know. Growing up in high school was when I noticed my anxiety just affecting everyday life more and more. 
like maybe I was 14, 15. It was affecting relationships, um, losing a lot of friendships and people because of my mental health. And then with acting, I still never had that kind of same nerve or same stress. But I think with the amount of times I failed in singing, even with all the training I did and just being around super, I was in a performing arts school, so I was around amazing singers and just having that deflation over so many years, I think it just kind of just stuck with me. It's like, oh, I'm not meant to sing. I'm not meant to do this. And yeah, ever since singing in front of crowds, ooh, because that's me, that's my voice and it's more technical. Acting is a bit more subjective as to what is good, but singing is all about technique. If you hit the wrong note, you've hit the wrong note and you'll sound bad. But with acting, there's obviously good and bad acting, but it is more free to express yourself. You know, there's different techniques in acting. You can do improv, which is funny, or you could do something that's serious and moving. It can be experimental theater, but I feel like with singing, it's definitely more like if you're right, you're good, but if you're wrong, then it's just going to explode. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think think with acting, you just kind of like, have a constant, uh, you know, especially it's interesting because you talk to a lot of different actors and they go, well, oh, that one's person's good and that one's person's bad, but it's always different. Like mm. I've met so many people who just kind of have this different perspective of what's good at and bad acting. Um, how do you kind of like judge your, I guess, your own acting? How, how are you? Are you one of those actors who can watch yourself in front of like screen and, you know, kind of reflect? Or are you kind of very cautious about watching yourself in front um i can watch myself if i'm alone if it's just oh. me um i think you kind of have to watch yourself to a degree so you can learn from it and see what for me personally what i liked what i didn't like about yeah. my performance it, it does it's a very helpful tool especially with self-tapes like re-watching your self-tapes instead of just submitting it because the more you watch yourself you can pick up the ticks because i've had a few friends tell me that i've got like a nervous tick with my jaw which I never knew I was doing until someone actually pointed it out to me. So now I'm more conscious of what I'm doing when I'm performing. Um, It is hard to watch yourself because I think for me, being a perfectionist, it's never good enough. There's always, oh, I could have done that better or my expression wasn't right or I've done this little thing was just slightly offbeat. But that's just, I think, the life of someone with mild OCD. I'm always striving to be better and better. But I think over time I've also been more to a degree more forgiving of myself with what I'm doing. It's all about learning and growth and you can't strive for perfection because perfection doesn't really exist. Yeah. So it's more striving to be your best and to fail because the more you fail, the more you will learn. And if you don't fail, then we're not growing. So I am more open to the idea of, you know, if I have a bad performance, that's okay. Not everyone has to see it. I don't have to share it, but at least I'm getting out there and at least I'm practicing and hopefully improving for the future. So yeah, it's, it is very difficult. I think everyone takes that question differently depending on how they view themselves and how confident they are with their work. Yeah, I think that's very fair because it's a very odd and surreal feeling when you also can reflect upon, you know, how you look and how you, uh, you know, it's kind of a very raw like perspective because it's some, it's a little bit like sometimes you can see the character but sometimes you do see yourself because you're you're aware it's you. It kind of like the reality is like you did that, not someone else. Mm. So there's a little bit of a um, a weird kind of like uh, 
position? How how do you go through all the stuff that you've done and sort of refine or re- reflect upon? You know, I guess um, your portfolio and making you know the decision of what you think is you know a good performance and a bad performance in your own kind of like um, creative space. I think the main thing I focus on with my performances is do I feel the emotion of my character or am I being moved by my own performance? And that is very hard. So sometimes I will get an opinion of a friend or another actor to see how they view it and how they interpret my work. But I think it's definitely... My definition of a good performance would be if it has the power to move people and to create that empathetic reaction from someone or to disgust someone or just get some Mm. sort of emotion out of them is the main thing and do I believe myself or do I see that I'm nervous or do I see that I've forgotten a line or I'm looking a bit crazy so I think authenticity and putting in my best effort is the main thing and then judging if it's good or not, I'll definitely get other people's opinions. But then again, it's subjective. So I, yeah. could, I could ask 10 people and then 50-50 could love it and 50 could hate it. So it's, yeah. it's very hard. I think the best thing to do is for a portfolio or for a reel is to put a variety of work. So do have, you know, maybe one to three different little scenes or different examples of your work because that just shows your range and it shows different sides of you, different performances, because not everyone will love the same performance. Yeah, that's that's like very it's so hard. Yeah. It's yeah. that it's um, you know, I talk about that all the time when I take photos and or like anything of everyone, because I'm always sending it to friends and mean like, what do you think? And mm. is this good? And then you'll get a hundred percent like, you know, oh, I thought this was okay or I thought this was badly directed or, you know, whatever. Um so it you kind of do have to go through this really weird cycle of um, self-criticism and um, also probably like, you know, just the best thing I find is I walk away from it for a little while and then I come back to it and go, okay, from an out subjective point, what do I think rather than a, a critical standpoint of when it's fresh in my mind because it's given me a way to process I guess the performance or the or whatever I'm trying to do because then I can kind of just reflect on it more as a viewer um I think that's kind of like how I get through most directing projects which is it's a very kind of um good and bad it's it's you know there's I don't think there's any right wrong or wrong way in terms of like you know critiquing um any of that um I mean you know you, you talked about having anxiety and um being an introvert like um, I think I think that's a very common thing amongst most creatives as well. Um, uh, I, I remember one of our early conversations was literally, you know, when we first met, was both talking about our anxieties, um, <laughs> probably for about an hour, um, and you know, working out that we were quite similar um, in the way we kind of like processed critical thought and everything. But the way I guess we seemed to an outward world was very confident people which is kind of ironic when we're kind of on the other end of the spectrum and we're just kind of very like self-conscious people and very, um, is it, is that an assumption you get quite often when people don't know you, like that they think you're this really, um, uh, outwardly spoken. It's like hundred percent. Um, yeah, 
all the time. I think as well because I do, well, I have started recently to experiment in modeling and all like more kind of photographic art is how I look at it. It's not really modeling for me. It's more of just finding a way to express myself through photographic media. But putting myself out there on social media in terms of, you know, photos and things I've done and then because I'm, people know me as an actor. Like that's kind of how, what's my thing really? Like in my little community, it's, oh, Lana, she models, she acts. That's pretty much all she does. They always assume that, well, she must be very confident and very outgoing. And then when I see people, it's very 50-50. Sometimes I'll do the thing where I'm pretty much putting on a mask and I'll just act my way through a conversation to appear more outgoing or otherwise Mm. I'll just completely do the opposite and I'll run away or I'll just be super introverted and I can't maintain eye contact a lot of the time. And it's, it's very interesting, I suppose, as well, putting out those photos of myself, you know, doing different shoots and looks. It's been hard because all of them are edited. Like, that's just what modeling and photography is. They're, they're photoshopped. And I'm very honest with people that follow me. Like, they know it's not my real skin. It's all been blemishes have been edited out and I've got makeup on. But then that does contribute to more kind of body dysmorphia and thinking that I should look this way and I should be this kind of amazing person that people see on my portfolio and people expect me to be. But then in person, you know, I'm just (laughs) pretty much the opposite of what I'm putting out online. And a lot of my close friends know that. But if I get a random person and like, oh, I'd love to catch up. It's like, you don't really know who I am. Yeah. It's going to be very awkward because I'm probably just going to not be very cool and, (laughs) you know, just not be amazing. I mean, the the funniest thing, I think, first meeting you and then versus, like, we we got along. We ended up chatting, I think, for what, like, for about an hour and a half. At least, yeah. Um, We talk quite regularly, like. Probably like when we're not busy, we'll talk a fair bit. But um, it's funny because you don't really kind of like, I think because both of us are very much like very honest, open people with each other versus like, <laughs> I think people would assume. And I, I find this so funny is people like assume for me that I'm really like confident, that I'm really like uh, well-spoken and everything. But I think the moment they kind of meet me or they know me, mm. I'm very much like, <laughs> and you know this like very very socially kind of like a little bit you know anxious and a little also a little bit probably like you know i say things like you know that are very blunt and <laughs> like and and also just like probably you know i would i'd say i'm very kind and considerate but i'm i'm very much like you know this person who's just always trying to be like let's do this but i'm not i'm not one of those people who's very you know uh i think also dishonest i think in everything that we've worked you know because um alana and i were going to do uh a short film which was meant to film this year and then got pushed and then basically is now in um on hold until further notice which is kind of a shame because it was just well and truly out of the reach of uh uh, basically, I think everyone's got capability this year as well as my own. It just ended up being a um, a really big project. Mm. And uh, it was something I was really looking forward to working on. And I think a lot of people were. But it's just, it was one of those things that COVID hit. And then um, 
uh, it was just I had personal stuff going on in 2019 and then 2020 happened and it was just like so much stuff had happened that I think it got to the point where it was like this is better when everyone's in a better mind state and in a better position to make this because it's such a um, a project that is, you know, like I think kind of fun. It had a lot of like heart and warmth and everything to it, even though it was a horror. It's had a lot of heart and warmth and care to it. So it's it's always kind of interesting that, you know, we, we've known each other for over a year now and, um, you know, we've, we've built up a friendship through a working relationship mm. as well. But um, in saying that, it's also we're very much open and honest to each other about our creative like endeavors and what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. So I think, you know, th- this is the thing that I find quite baffling is when people, uh, you know, di- are dishonest about their um, their intentions or their trepidations about what they're trying to do, like in terms of their career. Like I don't, I don't, um, I find it very strange because a lot of people want to kind of like build themselves up to be this amazing kind of like perspective in the world. And then there's you or I who's just like, well, we just want to do the, you know, things that we're proud of. The best and, we can. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I I think especially um, it's it's very hard. Like it's, it's you know, quite grueling. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that I think, you know, uh, I've seen you do and, uh, you know, especially that I think are very, you know, open and honest about, you know, but then also having chatted to you when you go, you know, something hasn't happened for months or, you know, a, a few weeks. And then it's it's very different to hear that side of it versus the other side where, where people go, I've got these thousands upon thousands of things to do. And then, mm. but they're so soulless about what they're doing versus what we try and do, which is very much more based on, I think the art and the, the credibility. I hope that doesn't make me sound like the most obnoxious <laughs> hipster in the world. No, I think it's it's very valid. And this year as well, I had another talk to one of my you know creative partners and people that I collaborate with, and I came to this conclusion that just because I'm not doing something doesn't mean I'm not progressing because I'm still doing things in my spare time to learn. I'm still doing things that will hopefully lead to better projects. But also things I noticed doing in COVID was that I was so desperate to do anything that I would just kind of claw at any sort of opportunity without really thinking about the people I was working with or their commitment to the project or what their ambition was or if they were, you know, doing it for more egotistical reasons. So I that was my mistake thinking that I should just do something for the sake of doing it without being personally invested in the project. So like you were saying with Sweet Dreams, that was something that I was really passionate about and I really love June and I love the character and it was something I was really looking forward to and I still am because obviously it's yeah, on it's, hold, it's not cancelled. So we're not, we haven't cancelled <laughs> it and um, whether or what medium it takes in the end, um, Alana is still involved because I love working with her and I want to work, <laughs> you know, it's something I, I want to reiterate. It's something that when you find your creative team as well, and this will kind of probably didn't mean to interrupt. It's, it's funny because you have these people that you get very excited to work with, but yeah, sorry, I, I did interrupt like. No, no, it's all good, but it's pretty, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. It's like, it was something I was passionate about and I still am. And it's something that motivated me and I was excited for but I found myself in COVID 
just because there was so little opportunity, obviously all the main kind of mediums were shutting down and yeah. anything I found, like my agent had absolutely nothing and anything on Starnow or any of those local sites or Facebook groups, it was all just kind of uh, people that were just kind of desperate to do something, which isn't a bad thing because obviously everyone wants to create something, but I felt like a lot of them weren't for the right purpose or I just wasn't connected to the work. So having not done so much performance-based things this year hasn't necessarily been a bad thing. It's my battle trying to tell myself that, but then reality, my brain's like, oh no, I've done nothing. I'm a failure. Where's my portfolio? Where's this? Where's my show? It's always the overthinking and making myself stressed for no reason. I always stress myself out. I'm always like, well, I didn't do this today and I haven't written a scene and I haven't organized, you know, to work with you and to do a thing and I have to do this and I have to do this and I just get so overwhelmed. But I think especially with COVID, it's just taking that step back to go, okay, the world's on hold. Pretty um, pretty trash. <laughs> there's violence America's shut down pretty much so the opportunity to possibly travel is wiped out yeah the film industry in Australia while there are there are opportunities it's not as um vast or open as America for example so it's just having that confidence and that trust in yourself that it's okay to not be doing something at the moment and that yeah. if you're passionate like we are things will come they'll fall into place there are still people like us that are actively trying to get through our turmoil and our anxieties to keep on pursuing their creative arts and with that will just come the time where we'll be able to make more things and if it's not this year I mean this year's pretty much done yeah I so- know it's, <laughs> it's it's come to the end and I'm like no um I had that realization the other day as well. Like this month, this last month has gone like that. It's just really quick. It's 24 days until Christmas. I don't, oh, don't say that. That's <laughs> awful. That's horrifying. Um, yeah, it's it's so surreal. As you know, you talk about like COVID and everything and kind of like what it's affected as well. Like I think this year I've had so many projects where I tried to do as well. Like in the podcast, this podcast is like basically the first thing that I can do because it's so much um, one-on-one conversation. It's it's very much, you, you just organize it with one guest and you get to do it. Um, the, the problem with be- organizing big groups was we had like, you know, social distancing and we had like people who wanted to, you know, who didn't feel safe on set and, you know, people who just didn't want to leave their apartment, which I totally respect. Like, you know, you can't, you know, I think it's a very different world because, um, you know, we talk about like we can't travel and everything like that. Um, you know, that that might, you know, they talk about this being open by June next year. Uh, there's so many things that I'm just kind of like, I don't see myself traveling out of the country for quite a while, whether or no, even interstate really. Um, and, you know, I, I, did a, I did a photo shoot for the first time like uh, the other day mm. and it was all with these really nice, cool colored lights. And I thought this would be quite fun, you know, but it was the thing that I loved about it was it was two people, two models, uh, one makeup artist and one of my friends helping me with lighting and me just taking the photos and she was taking photos on a film camera and it wasn't a complicated setup. It was just very much few people having fun. It wasn't for profit. It wasn't for anything to make something big. And that's what I think people forget 
and that's what they should be doing during COVID, is really making things for them. Because it's the, you know, I do this podcast for me. I don't make it, sorry to anyone listening, I don't make it for anyone else because I get to chat to, you know, friends and I get to chat to people who I want to interview. Um, so that it's very personal in, in that way, whether or not anyone wants to listen, thank you for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, for that way, I think 2020 really needed to be about that personal stories rather than, uh, you know, because we talked about, um, you know, doing monologues and doing like short scenes together and, you know, me filming it and, you know, setting up these kind of like uh, concepts where you can do some, you know, stuff for your showreel. Is that something, you know, you're more excited to do than the bigger, kind of projects or are they a little bit sort of like you know different because you know obviously you want you want characters that very emotionally you connect with um I think it's definitely a bit of both I'm super excited to do anything it's not necessarily for me about the size of the project or who it's going to be seen by it for me it's just about doing it and having that experience so I'm equally as excited to work on smaller projects because I think they can offer something completely different to these larger scale things that we've got on hold. You can show possibly more kind of in-depth emotion or you can take it in a totally different direction. And I think they're both just interesting formats to play around with. And I think that's a really good point that this year has just been mainly for us to reflect on ourselves and do things that we love. And for me, I think I took a lot of this year just to focus on myself and not putting acting on hold because I was still always searching for work, but I found myself a lot of the time just reflecting and my anxiety was obviously affected just by all the changes and by everyone's emotions around me. So I spent a lot of the time just working on myself and working on ways which I could benefit myself and find more ways to cope. And obviously a lot of the ways I coped was through doing creative things. I found myself doing a lot more modeling and Mm. little, little projects in more sort of video and photography formats but I think now I'm starting to get to the point where I've got that itch that I just need to create stuff again I want I want to actually work on more film-based projects and more character things and now it's just I think Christmas and this year has just been a blur finding the time and the motivation to put aside to dedicate to working on it and collaborating and then buying everyone Christmas presents and I'm still working. I've got my day job. Otherwise I'd be, you know, poor. (laughs) So I think that's the balance of a lot of creatives. We've all got, most of us have our main or day jobs and then we have our family and relationships and then our creative hobbies. So it's just about finding that balance really and the time. How do you do that with, you know, relationships? How do you find the 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 time uh, through all the chaos. Uh, I suppose I have a bit of kind of time management. I I organize a lot. I have planners and diaries, and I'll schedule out my days and try and just see where I have gaps in of time. Normally, it's a lot of nights. I'll see people because during the day I'm normally working or doing bits and pieces. I think as well. I don't have many friends in the nicest way possible that I used to have, say, when I was in high school. My friend group has shrunk dramatically, but I don't think that's a bad thing personally. It just means I'm investing more into the people that have stayed with me through difficult times or people that have similar interests to me. So I don't find myself spreading out my energy to all these, you know, 20, 50 people. I've got a very tight-knit group of friends. A lot of them aren't actually in the same kind of 
social groups. I prefer kind of more one-on-one or small interactions with different people, but that's just me being an introvert. So I suppose the main thing is I've just been focusing my energy on the people that care for me and that show me that they respect me and that they want my time and they value my time because I don't have time to waste it on people that don't care yeah, or that are not so much using me, but they don't want to... I think friendships, especially, it's a give and take. You can't just give to someone constantly and always be there for them if they're not going to do the same for you. Yeah. So I've just been spending time with people that really relate to me and a lot of creatives as well. And I think the creative people inspire me too. So they push me to make things and to do things. Not that I've done many things, but they constantly remind me that it's so important for me to stay creative. And, you know, I've got people that want to work on projects together and it's just about planning and yeah, again, with work, I think it's hard because money consumes so many people. So I'm a casual. So my work, I've got maybe or six to 10 rostered hours, but then they could call me in to work 40. Yeah. So it's about me having the power to say no to a shift because I do have that flexibility and freedom. But then I think we're so drawn to the money and we're drawn to this yeah, yeah, yeah. cyclical thing that we have to work and we have to make money. So balance is a hard question, but I think time as well, just having the patience to figure out what is important to you. And if you find yourself not having time for those creative hobbies, like I was finding, and then it makes you feel bad and it makes you feel negative, then I think that's a sign that it's something you need to invest in. But if you've thrown away a hobby and you're not missing it, then maybe that's also a sign that it's not something you're passionate about. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) That's so, I think, so true as well. Like, you know, um, in terms of what we do uh, with, you know, passion and everything, uh, you know, like so many things that I ended up dropping (laughs) because I wasn't, you know, invested in it or I wasn't, um, you know, uh, big or open about it. But it's funny that you also mentioned like, you know, your your friend group shrinking because like I definitely noticed that this year for me as well like i i have a lot of you know connections with people but there's very you know like uh there's very few people who i talk emotionally about like a lot of my issues um alana is luckily one of them but um but you know i think i think with our friendship as well like because we're both hectic schedule you know hectic people (laughs) it's sort of like always finding the time to fit, fit, fit fit each other in which i think is also kind of like you know the 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 other factor is because we also live cities apart, so it's like uh, you know two hours between each other, um, and I think with that, you know, there's sometimes where it's like you know I've I've had a rubbish week or you know something's happened, and um, you know I can openly honestly talk to you about it, but I think versus like some people where you kind of gloss over the facts and you kind of just go, oh, this doesn't matter. And, you know, and it's interesting because like, I think what, how do you judge people on basically where you put them in trust? Because, you know, we haven't, we've only known each other for a year, but we've developed quite a, a good um, close friendship and working relationship pretty quickly comparatively to you know some people you'll meet and just go okay well you know I'll keep my distance and you know know where they stand how do you kind of like judge people on like that um openness that's a really good question I suppose 
I'm an empath and a highly sensitive person, as I have discovered growing up, which just means that when I feel emotion, it's not just normal emotion. It's very high or very low. I just feel things to the extremity. Hmm. So with people, when I was younger, you know, like most people, I was naive. I just kind of trusted anyone that said they were my friend. And then I think growing up, having life experience, failing, making mistakes, showed me who was going to be there and who would um, back out or not support me. And some of those lessons were hard. It was really hard having something fall apart or having someone tell me really hurtful things. But if I wouldn't have had that experience, I wouldn't have grown. So I'm yeah. always thankful for that. I suppose when I'm judging someone, I, I tend not to, as stereotypical as that is, I think it's bad to judge someone based on impressions and based on how they look or the first thing that they say or what other people say. I think I really need personally to interact with that person or to gauge their emotional yeah, ability yeah. to empathize and to... um interact with other people because being someone that is so emotional i need that from someone else as well yeah, yeah so if i'm meeting someone and it's very nonchalant or they just disregard how i'm feeling or they're not showing a lot of investment into me but are talking just about them it's kind of a little warning sign that they're not going to be the type of person that you want to talk to about you know personal things so I suppose at the end of the day, it's meeting people that are like-minded and it's about failing and sometimes losing trust in people. And sometimes you have to deal with some bad relationships to find the good. And I yeah. think once you have that bad experience, so a relationship that might've fallen apart for various reasons or a friendship that fell apart, once you've had that experience, then you know that's not what you want from a partner or a friend. Those are the traits you know to avoid or you know that it could be a potential red flag. But I think not judging and just allowing them to first open up to you and to give you that gauge yeah. in their emotions. And I think another thing too, I'm definitely not as open as I was before. It has to be someone like you or someone that I'm just instantly have that connection with. Yeah. In general to a lot of people, I just I won't express a lot about myself or my mental health or what I do or who I am because I'm very private now after just past experiences. I just prefer to keep my life and what I do private, which isn't a bad thing, but I've just lost a lot of trust with certain people and now I don't want people knowing about what I do in my private time or about my social life or my friends and I just keep that to my tight-knit group of people that I trust. Yeah, which I think I think is very much like, you know, a valid uh quote and i think i think it was very interesting because my mom said the i was talking to my mom that you know about doing these podcasts and she said the exact same thing she was like i hope you're not wearing your heart on your sleeve and you're not telling everyone about like oh woe was your child and all this stuff and i was like I said to her i was like no i'm a lot more like reserved i think I think like I'll talk about like opinions and stuff, but I won't go, this person did this and this person. Cause it's like, it is no one's business. Like my, my friendship with you um, and what we talk about in our private time is, 
you know, no of of no relevance or interest to anyone else. Um, yeah. And it's t- stuff that you know we connect with on an emotional level, and um, I think it's very interesting because, like, you know, topics like. Uh, you know, identity and, you know, it's interesting because as people, we're very commutative. Like, um, I'll openly talk about, like, uh, you know, topics of um, sexuality and identity and, you know, arts and culture. But in terms of, like, I like this person and I like this person and, you know, this is how I feel in this situation, it, which is a very personal thing. It's you kind of do refine. Like, I think with friendships, it's the, ex- you know, the exact same. I know that, you know, you do, my friendship group has shrunk massively. Um, and I think I'm definitely much more as a person now, I say not afraid to tell people what, like I've, I've got my own trust issues and, um, because of my past experiences, it, it, you know, very much, I don't go and open up about my anxiety to everyone. Um, interestingly, I think that it, that is kind of based upon, uh, my own like levels of panic attacks and everything that last year were quite bad and they ended up you know like uh, being quite like you know I couldn't do much I, I was very nervous and you know a constant like worried and you know second guessing myself so now being in a bit of a you know position where I'm in a, a better spot but I do have lapses it's nice to kind of like I guess not you know, go, hey, world, you know, it's it's funny as well because you mentioned you're an empath. I'm an empath too. Like I, I relate to that, um, that I I feel more emotion than most, but I also um, have a better, like I have a very good understanding of people. And, yeah. and I don't, I, I dislike liars. I dislike dishonest people. I dislike um, people who have ulterior motives. Um, a big thing. I also dislike capitalism, which is just like I think a good like thing of all of it because it's always about greed and selfishness and like making money for the like your yourself rather than for, you know just as a group of helping people. And I think it's very interesting because uh, as this kind of like awkward kid growing up uh, for me, I you know I'm a 28 year old man. I'm still awkward, but people think I'm confident and outwardly spoken and, you know, but, you know, you and I chat very much about our anxieties and our, you know, like our social situation. Um, And I do agree with you, like friends, friends do limit, they shrink in this time. And um, like... I think one of the things I appreciate from you as as a friend as well is like, you know, you know, when I'm feeling down, you're like, you can call me at any time and, you know, we can chat. And I'm like, I'm one of those people who is just like, oh, I feel bad. I'm, I feel like I'm a burden. <laughs> yeah. It's like you automatically, but I think it's, it's really nice because you just, you have these, you know, I have people like you who just go, no, talk to me anytime. Like, um, and we've got a lot of like, I, I think also it's kind of interesting. You and I have a lot of similar, um, you know, uh, you know, the ways we perceive ourselves are very similar, um, and view ourselves like, you know, in terms of, you know, body dysmorphia and all this stuff, we do have a very odd, um, perspective of ourselves, which most people probably don't relate to very well. Like they don't understand as clear. I find, I find it funny because when you talk about body dysmorphia, I get it entirely because I had an eating disorder for about, 
three years and it was quite debilitating and I kind of got out of it by myself, but it was one of those things that I did get out of by myself. Um, it wasn't, you know, it was just kind of like pushing when I saw other people because I'm a carer. I, I love to care for other people. And, and my psychologist called me a savior, which I think is like <laughs> the, the funniest thing because, uh, so my failing is generally I try and help people, really go out of my way to help people. And I think with that, it's it's not feeding myself or, you know, in doing the right things. So I mean, like in terms of art, I've learned to kind of emotionally convey that through, you know, photography or, you know, poetry or anything like that. Um, and I guess the friends who do know me kind of like do understand that and they go, oh, okay, cool. Um, but the, the friends who don't know me or the people who kind of just, they seem surprised. They're like, yeah. oh, I didn't expect that of you. And I'm like, you've known me for like 10 years. Like, how did you not expect any of this? I get that when I'm meeting new people or even friends that I'm acquainted with, but they don't know me. If I say something, because my thing is with my dysmorphia, if I just look at myself in the mirror, sometimes it's just automatic. I'm just like, Ugh, yuck, yeah. I can't. I just not today. And a lot of people take it the wrong way. They take it like I'm being rude or like offensive. They, mm. because I mean, I'm assuming by their reaction, because they always say, oh no, don't say that you're so pretty. Then what does that make me if you're ugly? It's yeah. like, well, it's, it's just my perspective of me. It's, it's not, I, because I find everyone, like most people really attractive. But when I just look at myself on certain days when my dysmorphia is really low, I don't see, I can't see anything positive. And it's something I've worked really hard on and I'm getting there, but I also don't really wear makeup as well because it just ruins my skin. So it's confidence is a huge thing and people don't, yeah, they don't get it when you have all these anxieties and these fears and this warped perception because they only see either that filtered life that is posted on social media or they only see you in this certain situation. So I've got friends at drama and they see me as crazy and outgoing because I'm in my, my acting space and I'm just jumping around the room and I'm super extroverted. But as soon as I go to a dinner or maybe something social, I could just completely retract and yeah. get, you know, so anxious and self-conscious or not feeling it. It really just depends and that's something I've done with modeling. I've found a lot of people <laughs> have asked me, a lot of men, oh, do you want to do lingerie? Do you want to do boudoir? Do you want to do swimwear? And every time, not that I think it degrades me as an actor, but it's just not my personal thing because I am that self-conscious and I yeah. do have that kind of uh, fear about showing myself like that. I think if, if it was a, crea a really creative concept and I was passionate about it, I'd definitely be enticed. But just the idea of just showing skin and just showing like that raw kind of yeah very very it's like you're not hiding anything because I wear very baggy clothes in my like normally day to day I just wear men's clothes and I'm very kind of androgynous in my style most of the time and to be asked to just oh yeah wear a bikini a long time I was very concerned of what people thought of me what people thought of my relationships what people thought of my acting and all these different questions and. I think it's starting to slowly get to the point where I'm just going, well, you know what, if this is who I am, if this is how I express myself, that's okay. I don't need validation from someone. Validation isn't going to bring me anything else other than fueling that ego and fueling that desire to be 
wanted or to be um to have that approval i suppose yeah is the main thing it's that desire to be approved and to say you know pat on the back you've done a good job i feel like at this stage as much as i still crave that in some aspects of my life i don't need it to be happy this year has just been a whole journey of me trying to discover what it means to be happy what it means to be successful I've had many existential breakdowns over this question (laughs) and I'm still finding out the answer, but I think what I've kind of slowly come to the conclusion of is that to be happy, I can't rely on external sources. As much as I love acting and acting fuels me with so much passion and joy, acting alone will never bring me happiness. If I don't find it within myself and I don't find it within what I'm doing and you know, that that internal happiness, obviously factors like acting and friendships and all those things will make me happy and contribute to it. But happiness itself just has to be this constant uphill battle with facing those anxieties and those fears and overcoming insecurities yeah. to get to a point where you can just be content with yourself. You don't have to be perfect, but it's just having that contentness with who you are and waking up and not looking in the mirror and wanting to just you know run away and just learning to respect yourself and to give yourself that love and on top of that then you can put in the passions of your hobbies like acting and performing which is definitely a huge part of my identity and who i am yeah and success too what is success is success the amount of people that see your work is success how many views you get? Is it how far I make it to stardom? You know, will I be in Hollywood? Is success just making a career? So I thought about that a lot too. And I think there's two kind of points to that question. Success would be personally if I could have a living out of doing what I love. Yeah. Because that's me. Even if I'm not in Hollywood or if I'm not in feature films, but if I could still somehow make a living performing or a living in the creative industry, that would be amazing because I'm doing what I'm passionate about every day and I'm surrounded by creative people. But then the other definition of success is even if I don't get there, how will I feel? Yeah. And I think that's a huge question for a lot of actors and performers and creatives. I feel like there's this pressure that we need to meet this end point. We need to have this goal to say, oh, I'm successful now. I've, I've won an Oscar. I've, I've won this award. I've, I've done something. And that's a hard thing too. I think it's about emotionally and mentally just feeling like well, this is, this is good. I've done something that I'm proud of. Yeah. And that for me, it would, it would probably be something that could have that emotional impact to someone else and possibly could help someone or make someone feel something is always important to me but at the end of the day success is just being like i did this and i'm proud of myself it's not necessarily the amount of followers you have or how much recognition you get and it's not from external sources like other people being like wow you've done the best thing ever it's finding that within yourself which is i think always the hardest part yeah i think that's the only like it's very profound like process of thought (laughs) It's a very profound thought. Um, yeah, I think I think I you know for me I don't base success on. I've stopped trying to reach this goal of success. For me, uh, you know, doing all these successes and all these like films and stuff, I can't base anything off 
that anymore. Like I don't go, I've made a short or I've made these Doc 2 things or I've made this. I don't base it on success anymore. I'm just based it on personal like growth. And it's always, a, you know, it's always a small journey, I think, for me. And I think that's such the way I view my art now. Like, I'm really excited, but I also love, like, you know, telling you of an idea I've had and then you're going, oh, I don't think that works or I don't, you know, I wouldn't do that, but, you know, I think that's good. Like, it's very useful for me because, you know, one, it gives me a bouncing board of someone who I can go, I had this idea, but also kind of like, yeah, it does, it does always make me know what kind of one characters you want to play or, you know, from a creative point and also kind of like, I think as a career, you know, as a team, it's good to really share ideas because as a friend, you know, you give good feedback. You, you're you always about, um, you know, I like this or I, you know, I don't like this. So it's always a very honest, safe space. And I think I, you know, I made this decision quite recently. I was like, I don't want to make a Marvel film or a Disney film. I want to be involved in indie productions because they are where I feel my most comfortable because they're sort of more the heart and soul of art. They're very much about these personal journeys and these personal people rather than versus the, you know, superhero genre of Disney blasting, yeah. like, um, you know, kind of capitalistic way. So I, I, I really think that, you know, one of my friends said recently, I'm, you know, I want to make a feature. And I said to him, why don't you make this a short? Because, you know, a feature's, you know, 90 minutes is a long time. And it takes a lot of prep. And he goes, um, no, it has to be a feature. I need to make a feature. I've never made a feature. I need to make a feature. And I've made so many shorts. And I was like, I get that. But I also think that until you've got a big production behind it, making a feature is really hard. It's just, and I know only one success story with a feature. And um, it was shot in Melbourne. And it was done, I can't remember on how much of the budget. But it, it it's a fine story. I helped produce some of that. But it, it wasn't something... Like, I remember it was written by the director, made by him, and the way, you know, he did a kickstart, uh, I think it was an Indiegogo campaign, and be like, oh, you get a producer credit of your stuff, so I donated money, I got an associate producer credit, but I he, I was like, originally was offered an executive producer credit, and I said to him, I've had no impact in this script, I've had no decisions on anything, so don't put me as something that lies to the audience of what my role is. Because an ex- as an exec, I would get a say in how this final product shows. Um, and I haven't had a say at all. So I don't like having false credits or anything like that where I'm, I I really just kind of like helped friends rather than, um, and seeing their things fly rather than doing my, you know, own thing and being actually involved in the creative process. I love being involved in like this weird eclectic, um, you know, uh, mindset of doing this personal growth kind of thing and that's why I like the indie kind of doing shorts or doing like stories or doing like these weird horror f- photo shoots or anything like that I think they're fun because they're just they're very me they're very much like the five-year-old version of me would have wanted to watch growing up um is that something like you always want to do is also kind of it plays your inner kid a little bit uh, not necessarily I think growing up a lot of the things that interests me now or the things that I'm very drawn to creating half of it is kind of that more fantastical whimsical kind of really weird and creative projects that I would have liked as a kid but the other half is more kind of serious and Mm. I'm very drawn to emotional roles like taxing roles there's something about 
having high stakes and expressing things that are maybe sad or very traumatizing that entices me as an actor just to take on that headspace and to try and um, recreate those emotions in the most authentic way possible. So I think it's 50-50 for me. There's definitely parts that I'd love, there's things that I want to do that a kid version of me would go, wow, that's cool. But then again, I was very uneducated and I barely watched films growing up. I was more addicted to the same five animated movies and that was about all I ever watched. Um, it's only been more recently where I've expanded into what I'm doing, but I don't have a lot of external influences into my creative practice, into what I like. It's been all very kind of focused on who I am and where my headspace is and what kind of things resonate with me now as to what I would have liked to have done as a kid because I couldn't even tell you what that would be, to be honest. Probably Star and Harry Potter would be my fantasy as a kid. I always remember like writing and coming up with ideas where I was just Harry's long lost sister that Voldemort, you know, somehow managed to kidnap before the whole Horcrux thing. And it was this big event. So I made all these fake movies about Harry Potter. So that was probably my fantasy as a kid. But as an actor now, uh, the idea of doing Marvel and stuff like that obviously is enticing because it's so huge and yeah. exciting. But at the same point, you're right, it is a lot of, um, I don't know, it's, it is more kind of capitalized now and it's, I think, a big fear for some people is you get locked in a certain stereotype. Yeah. If you play a superhero, if you play a damsel or if you play someone like Harry Potter or Twilight that you get locked into that expectation which i think robert patterson has done a great example of breaking out of that path yeah, after like 10 has. plus years it took him a long time but now he's finally i think really come out of it and he did some strange roles just to break away from it and yeah he's... and so is daniel radcliffe but i feel like he's not as um he's definitely done some amazing things since then but robert patterson has definitely showcased how he's evolved as an actor from doing such a uh Interesting project, such as Twilight. Um, and so is it, like, I think Christian Stewart's kind of the same as well. They both kind of really stepped out of their comfort zone with um, Twilight because Twilight seemed to be the kickstart of their career and then they went and completely did separate things. Um, and now we're both big names. So it's kind of funny that that franchise that is now panned for being really trash um started something so huge yeah started their careers and started you know because i love robert patterson as an actor i think i've watched him in so many films and always being like and he's about to star as the new batman so yeah. like i think that's incredible that um his career has kind of got to this point where he's probably like the most accurately depicted kind of like i hope you know i know there's a lot of batman fans out there but it, for me it's the most exciting one because i'm really looking forward to this really kind of just real world element of these lunatics you know less cartoonish and more just kind of like this man who's you know just had a battered life and you know um and i think with comic you know comic book superheroes and the translation of it uh, you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I will n not deny that, but but I do often watch them, and you you know they do follow point for point beat for beat sometimes in terms of story plot. Um, and I do like hero stories, but I also do like slice of life stories. 
And I think that, um, you know, Robert Pattinson and a few of, you know, the indie, um, you know, uh, movies that I own do have that slice of life element where you don't see the beginning entirely of where these characters came from. You just see when they've arrived at the point and when the point ends of when they leave. And that's why I kind of like, it's also kind of influenced me for Sweet Dreams was it was like every episode was a little bit self-contained to the space they were in. Mm. It wasn't about where they were before. It was always just about them going and you know, being there and the, the situation that developed around them, um, especially in June's case. It yeah, was, it wasn't a huge story of, this is this person's whole life story and where they're going and it's just huge like like a marvel film and it was just very compact and mm. engaging because it leaves you wondering hang on where did she come from what 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 was yeah. what was she doing there what happens after it i think that's very interesting and, and i am drawn to productions or projects that are maybe more shorter or come up with more questions like leaving the audience wanting more because yeah. I think that's the power of short film. You can tell something that's amazing in that short amount of time just through the dialogue or through the characters' interactions that make you want to find out where their relationship started, how did it begin, where does it end, and that leaves for the potential to create something else further on with that, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of like where art, always art versus kind of like you know, because I, I, I think in terms of projects that I, you know, I want to do in future, it's very much like, you know, I'd rather always have these really centric character pieces um, where it does have emotional um, stakes. You know, I, I had an idea like that I want to kind of do with you as well that um, is about like anxiety and is, is about like this, you know, person with, uh, you, know, you know, mental health and kind of like the world around them. Um, but I always love these stories where they they have this perspective. You're always just seeing it from this person's perspective rather than every person's perspective because I think that's interesting because it really skews how we see the world. We're always seeing it from a different eye point, whereas if you're seeing it from three different people's perspectives, uh, you know, it's it's very, like, different a little bit, and I love that centre of one character. Like, I think uh, the way I described June versus the first and second half is the first half she sees everything is glamorous the second half she suddenly realizes the the veil the rose-colored glasses disappear and you've got all these kind of like secrets and stuff underneath so i think i, I think in terms of art style as well as acting and direction that's like things that i'm really intrigued by um do you think that's like also art style and stuff or um as well as performance and everything is that something you're you're also very excited about like in terms of like um, building these worlds and building, I guess, th- this event in 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 terms of like creating as well, because you're you know you you kind of like contributing ideas and you know making something a reality in terms of your collaborations and your photo shoots and stuff. You know, a lot of a lot of the photo shoots you've done are very much your concepts. Yeah, a lot of them I I kind of come up with the majority of the concepts depending on which one it is, or at least giving some kind of impact or um, contribution to it. That just made me think when you were just talking. I was just going off into my own little world for a second, coming up with the concept. I like the idea of having that one person's perspective or even it's more like a POV kind of shot for maybe two minutes, but then it could swap to someone else's perspective. Yeah. And then it's getting that. Co- anyway, that, that's just given me an idea for a short film. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've influenced. Uh. <laughs> um, 
but that's what I do. I'll listen to things, I'll hear things from people, or music as well is a big inspiration, but I don't know. There's so many ideas and it's just about constructing it. I think with art style, I'm very open to a lot of art styles and creative formats. I love artistically I love Baby Driver and things like that that are very kind of bold and out there but that's more kind of featurey and yeah big budgety stuff but um no I'm very open just to exploring any sort of art style I suppose I lean more to realism and things that are a bit more contemporary purely because that's what I see more of and I feel like that would gain more not more attention but it depends I think I need to do both and because I've done, I've, I did a horror film that was kind of more psychedelic and had that kind of element of um, like a slasher kind of vibe. It did. It, did. it very much did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then doing a piece that was more of a coming of age story, which was just more centric to the story and how the characters interacted with each other. And I love both. So I don't think I have a preference. My only preference is to just do them and to, you know, get out there and actually have the opportunity to just do as much as I can and get that yeah. the ball rolling because it just excites me. Even just talking about potential projects, it just fuels me to go, you know what, this is something I'm passionate about, yeah. something I need to do. And it, I think that's the best part about having people in your life that fuel your creativity is that it will inspire you. So I think it's important that if you are an actor or a filmmaker or you're into the creative arts that you do – find people that are like-minded you start those conversations because that's what's going to inspire you and it's going to push you into the into that direction if that's what you want to do because I feel like as a creative when you're alone and when you're feeling like you have to do these projects by yourself or Mm. you feel like there's no one there to collaborate with then it just gets really hard and you're stuck and you're just kind of in this little rut because I think that's the biggest part of the creative arts, barely do you see something that's done by one person in terms of film or a lot of performative art works, even yeah. for theatre. You know, you've got the actors, the director, you've got the producers and you've got the lighting and the sound and people backstage. It's just this huge collaboration of all these creatives coming together. Same with photo shoots. You've got people providing the outfits and the makeup and the hair and all these little things. So I feel like pursuing the creative arts it's amazing and really important to meet people like I have with you that inspire you and really push you to come up with those creative ideas and to benefit each other mutually Mm. by actually doing these projects and sparking that creative thinking yeah no I do agree with that I think I I think that's like it just makes me excited to kind of like do more yeah and and I think it's very much like you know, when you, you know, as you say, you use the phrase vibing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, you you do vibe with people and you do kind of like go, this is, th- these are the people who, you know, I want to collab with. And I think that, you know, when you, you know, as you say, when, when you do find those people, it's really kind of like, it's just tenfold. Like you just suddenly go, oh, I can't wait to do like all these projects and, you know, um, you know, when they happen and, you know, is kind of like always the, the waiting game but i mean when they actually happen and you get to see them they're really cool like yeah i think that's the most exciting part so um you know like i think there's a lot to kind of like be said about you know the future of us you know us working together but as well as like just many 
I think, you know, creative people out there to, you know, find their feet. I think if you meet someone creative that you really gel with and you do have that relationship with that you want to start collaborating, do hold on to it because it is hard to find people that have a similar mindset or a similar goal to you because even though most filmmakers have the same goal of creating film, each of them will have a very different perspective of what their idea of film is or, you know, they might not write in the style that you like to act or... Yeah, all these different little factors. So meeting people and actually just forming those relationships is so important, I think, especially as a freelance artist and in Australia, since we don't have the biggest industry compared to places overseas, it's important to get a head start and to just get off the ground by doing things for yourself and doing those little freelance projects because that's sometimes how you get noticed. But I feel like the hard thing in Australia for acting, if you're not on Home and Away or Neighbours... It's like, where else is there to go? I know. Which is, and then for a lot of actors, doing a soap opera like that is just a nightmare. (laughs) I wouldn't want to. I feel like I could for a little bit, but yeah, I don't know how rewarding that would be. But then again, so many people love the show. Yeah. I don't know how, but so many people still are so obsessed with it, which is an amazing thing. And I think it is a great gateway for actors. We've seen some incredible people come from shows like that. But other than that, how else are people getting discovered in Australia? There's just not that many gateways, it seems like. That's very true. I think it's limiting. Mm. Um, it's limiting at best. And I think, you know, at the moment with, you know, it all, uh, it's just very like, you know, what what do you do? I, I don't want to ever work for him in a way or neighbours. I have no interest. It's sort of like the one thing that I just like I never grew up watching I hated it when I was a kid and I just think that even though people go oh you know I was on Home and Away and Neighbors I know friends who are on it I have friends who have been on it and uh, but I've also had friends who have auditioned for it and never got on it <laughs> so it's it is apparently but they you know they I've heard stories always about these kind of shows because there's such high turnarounds the high rehearsal time and sometimes you get one rehearsal and then you shoot so it's it's not the 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 quickest way apparently the best feedback people go is you learn quick about what works and what doesn't but in part from that it it doesn't really lend it's not art it's just kind of mass mass product then again that's subjective (gasps) (laughs) yeah but that is a good point i think as mundane as it might be for a lot of actors that that aspire for more uh, fulfilling roles, at least it's a place to learn and it's a place to it's a it's a stepping stone I think for many people. Yeah, but that's just depressing that it, that's really the only one there is at the moment. I know, but you know what? We're gonna create some. We're gonna create some. We're gonna create some opportunities. We will. We will because we we love doing that and we're kind of like workaholics. Yes. By the way, I really enjoy chatting. I think it's actually been a heap bunch of fun. Yes, that's been very fun. And I hope you actually like enjoyed it. Yes, I have. It's been really cool just talking about random things, and I love pointless conversations annoy me. Like, I mean, like, how's the weather and like small talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because as an anxious person, I don't know what to say. So if someone doesn't initiate a conversation, I will sit there and not say a word. Yeah. But I love talking to someone one-on-one. I love having conversations that are more meaningful or just about broader issues where you can actually just express yourself a bit more and think deeper because I love thinking as much as I overthink. Yeah. There's a fine line. (laughs) 
to, you know, just like you see the end point and you're like, okay, just stay there. No, okay, we're going into this territory now. See ya. Um, yeah, I, I think it's every time for me. Um, but no, I enjoy doing this because it's sort of also, it's it's when I get to talk to my friends and two, I also get to like have a very open conversation. So it's a, it's a, you know, whether or not I get 20 viewers or like, you know, to five listeners, I'm fine. <laughs> I have fun with these. Um, but no, thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, anytime. But yeah, tune in next week. I've got another guest and uh, you'll speak tomorrow then. So bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.